Ahoy, ahoy, all you delightful little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and you are listening to Everybody Trades. Once again, thanks for joining me, and thank you for putting up with my myriad Simpsons references. You all are too kind, because you've got another one coming today. But first, you know what got me thinking? Well, as some of you know, I'm a huge sports fan, and actually, if I do say so myself, one of the greatest fantasy players of all time. Go ahead, look it up. It's true. But Mr. Matthew Barry is a big star on ESPN and just signed a big contract, I think, either a year or two ago. So obviously a very valued member of the ESPN staff. And what he does quite exclusively is cover fantasy football. And today, here in a little bit as we record, Matthew and ESPN are going to be beginning their 28, yes, not 24-hour, but 28-hour marathon of pure fantasy football content. And apparently Matthew will not sleep the entire time. Well, maybe he'll nod off on air as he occasionally does. But what's interesting to me is Matthew Barry, what a guy, right? He's making millions of dollars possibly. I don't know what his contract is. I really don't. But I take it that he's one of the more highly paid people at ESPN and how's he doing it well it's not by playing an ostensible kids game like football right now professional football in itself if you really think about it it's kind of silly a game for children being played by adults for millions and millions of dollars in front of other adults but even sillier than that still is fantasy football yes this made-up game that we all play on paper, that is an offshoot of something that is actually happening on the field in real life. And in fact, a lot of your old school people, like my good friend Mr. Steve Eubank, will tell you, ah, it makes you a terrible fan, all that kind of stuff. But quite frankly, I've been a fan of Matthew Berry's for about 10 years now, I'd say at least, listening to his podcast, The Fantasy Focus, the football and baseball versions back in the day. The baseball version, at least with Matthew on it, is no more. But if you really want to see the kind of talent that he is, I highly recommend that you read his column about his fantasy league with his stepsons, his stepkids, his wife, and his wife's ex-husband, and how that all sort of brought them all together in a very special way, and just kind of relieved a lot of awkwardness. It was a very a very sweet column, and it showed that I think Matthew's a, a very sweet individual and a, not only a man of, of fantasy substance, but also a man of, of deep substance in other ways as well. But anyway, the point isn't to go on and on about Matthew because, well, I'm about to make fun of him ever so slightly. Now, as great as Matthew is at this particular job, I think Matthew Berry, and I, again, I say this as a fan, he would be an absolute terrible horrific farmer I mean just one of the worst farmers of all time now what made me think of that well there's actually a, a, an old Adam Carolla joke from his radio show from his podcast where he says about the song Maggie's Farm that I played at the beginning of this show well Bob Dylan is singing I don't want to work on Maggie's farm no more and well Carolla's joke is he, he sings this over and over again in the song and Carolla's joke is you know what Go away, Bob. I think you'd be the worst farmhand ever. Can you imagine what a horrific farmhand Bob Dylan would be? So that's essentially the punchline. 
And it just made me think, gosh, you know, it's great that Matthew Barry can do this because I think he'd be a really terrible farmhand as well. And why that's relevant, here we go, we're getting there, I swear. Why that's relevant to the topic of this particular show is, well, let's think about what kind of society the United States was when it first began. Now, of course, the Declaration of Independence, as everybody knows, my God, I hope you know that if you're listening to this, was signed on July 4th, 1776. But the Constitutional Convention was not until 1787, 11 years later, obviously. Hey, there's some good math for you, right? Well, before then, we were under what was called the Articles of Confederation. And guess what? Well, this podcaster prefers the Articles of Confederation. But that is a show for another day. The point is, three years later, the first United States census was taken in 1790. And that census reported that the population was about 3.9 million people. Now think about that. We're just shy of 4 million people there, 3.9. Well, today, the latest census data that I just looked up online, we're just shy of 330 million people. So we're talking a little bit over 1%, maybe 2%, something like that. Again, I'm doing this math off the top of my head, but it's certainly not close to 10. I mean, we've exploded the population of the United States in that amount of time. And of those 4 million people, of those nearly 4 million people that lived in the United States in the year 1790, 90% of those in the labor force were farmers. Yes, there we go. There's the farming. See, that's why we're here. Well, my point is, in 1790, if Matthew Barry or Bob Dylan even would have been around then, likely they would have been forced into farming as well, as 90% of the people who worked in America were. My only question between Matthew Barry and Bob Dylan is who would be the most miserable farmhand on the planet? Because, yes, in 1790, there was no such thing as professional football. Well, there was no such thing as American football, period. Certainly no fantasy football. And there was no means by which Mr. Dillon to record any sort of music and make any money that way either. Yes, cult rock, not a huge thing in 1790. Not exactly a big market for it. And yet, having said that, if you would have told somebody in 1790 that in the future all of their labor would be replaced by large machines called combines, for instance, those people would probably panic. Many of them, at least, would panic and say, oh no, how could I possibly make any money then? Well, again, this goes back to the basic thing of what is seen by people and what is unseen by people. See, it's obvious for, the, for them to see, oh no, this new thing could end my job. But it's much more difficult to see that, oh, actually, all of this new production of food is going to result in me getting food from somebody else for a much cheaper price. So here's the key. Hey, I got to just figure out something else to do. And certainly that, that, has, that is what people have done in America, in the world, for the last 200 plus years since 1790. 
the amount of innovation and new things, new opportunities, new jobs were just completely unimaginable. And frankly, Matthew Barry is probably the ultimate example of that, and that's why I'm focusing on him today. Who could have possibly imagined this sort of thing back in 1790? I'm not even sure most people could have conceived of professional sports working in America, professional team sports working in America in the year 1790. There was no baseball. There was no basketball. There was no football. And then suddenly, once people started doing less farming, once their labor was freed up to do other things, magically, they started creating things like baseball and basketball and football and trains that ran across the country and assembly lines and vehicles and radio and all kinds of other things that nobody could have possibly imagined before, something that was impossible to see at the time. But it's the unseen things that are just as important, if not more so. It's always those things that we have to keep in mind. We're all of limited capacity. We're all just one person, so it's impossible for us to see everything. The reason I think all of this is relevant to our modern discussion about economics is there's so much worry about robots and automation taking jobs from people. Well, again, as we've seen, robots, for all intents and purposes, what is a robot? Does it have to have a cyborg-like human face or something, or does it just have to be a machine that replaces human labor? We're just going to talk about machines replacing human labor that's clearly been a good thing historically that that's not even debatable whatsoever and if that's not true then i guess we need to get rid of the bulldozer and go back to the shovel right because then we'll have lots of people with jobs right see that's the problem so many government statistics so many economic arguments in this country are based on the creation of jobs well again i just created a bunch of jobs by making the bulldozer illegal. And now, well, you have to do it with shovels. See, that's my new that's my new edict. And therefore, that will create jobs. But does it create wealth? Well, clearly not. Again, the example of where are we in 1790 versus where are we in 2019. We have 90 to 100 times the amount of people in this country. And yes, most of that population growth did come in the East, so you can't just say, hey, it's all Western expansion. Clearly, that isn't the case. That's clearly not, that's just not true. So despite all of this, con- all of this huge population growth that we've seen not only in America, but worldwide, but let's especially focus on America so that, since that's where we started this discussion. Despite all of this population growth and counter to what the overpopulation people would have you believe, Americans are much better off than they've ever been, and dramatically so. Now, the argument that even nominally free market-oriented people make that is against what I'm saying basically goes along the lines of, okay, that's right. Yeah, it worked out great because we were a very simple, agrarian, almost third-world society for all intents and purposes In the 1700s, at the beginning of the 1800s, before the Industrial Revolutions kicked in, 
Well, yeah, it worked then because we had so much growing to do. Because there were so many things yet to be invented. Because of all these different things. Because, again, this is just a historically unprecedented period. But why is their assumption, my, my counter to their counter would be, why is the assumption that this is now not the norm? Because the history of humanity is mostly bondage and the lack of freedom. So once true freedom really started setting in in a big way, again, we've never had pure 100% no government freedom or anything like that, or even freedom from each other, quite honestly. Sometimes our own... Our own fellow man decides to murder us, lynch us, do, do whatever it might be outside of the state parameters. So I, I understand all that. It's not a perfect world. We can all agree with that. But at the same time, history teaches no clearer lesson that you don't have to have absolute, perfect, pure freedom to have better results. We've seen it in China. Certainly China is still in many ways a communist country, a socialist country, a command and control society. But it's also much more free than it was 20, 25, 30, certainly 50 years ago in the days of Mao. And we can see the results. The results have been positive. Same thing in Vietnam, same thing in all different parts of the world that have had varying degrees of of increased freedom. Well, guess what? They've also had increased wealth, increased standards of living, just better lifestyles, more peaceful lifestyles. Everything is just better, period. The bottom line is, is people are always going to come up with something new. People's creativity, and that's our collective creativity, by the way. Just because, say, my individual creativity is a slightly older man now at 36, maybe... I can't quite grasp how somebody can be a social media influencer, for instance, and make a lot of money doing that because that's just beyond my old decrepit brain. Or these people who are now professional video game players, the people who are going to college on a gaming scholarship, people like PewDiePie who make tons of money simply streaming video games and commenting along with them. Well, you know what? Actually, since I'm making fun of myself as the old man here, I'm I'm 36 now. Gosh, it makes me think I'm now as old as Homer Simpson was portrayed to be in that show. Unbelievable, right? Well, yeah. Speaking of the old man, the old man Simpson, Grandpa Simpson, walks in on Homer and Barney singing. And here's what he had to say in a particular piece of life advice that would later hit Homer during Lollapalooza in the mid-90s. You make me feel like dancing! I want to dance the night away! What the hell are you two doing? It's called rocking out! You wouldn't understand, Dad. You're not with it. I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. No way, man. We're going to keep on rocking forever. Forever. Forever, 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 forever. Oh, forever, forever. I'm with you, Homer. I'm getting old, buddy. We're all getting old, unfortunately, but you know what? That shouldn't make us closed off to the idea that, yes, there are things in the future that we, as perhaps older Americans, 
we're not going to be able to predict, and that's okay. There's lots of things that those of us as individuals didn't predict, but collectively as a society, when an individual, a group of people come together, make something together, their own free will, well, we all end up benefiting, don't we? See, that's the real, that's the real key, is when somebody hits it big in the market, in our market society, when somebody invents something different, whether it's the smartphone, the washing machine, the automobile, whatever it is, yeah, they're, they're huge benefits. They're huge beneficiaries of that. I mean, obviously, Henry Ford made a nice fortune in his life, didn't he? But I would argue that we, the people, have benefited even more than Mr. Ford and his heirs. Because while Mr. Ford has been passed for some time, we're still enjoying the fruits of his labor and the fruits of his genius. Heck, maybe in the future, maybe it's possible. Maybe someday we'll just have so much wealth and so many inventions. Maybe we'll, we, we will get to the Star Trek, the next generation scenario where we have food replicators and an unlimited supply of everything that we could possibly need. Maybe human beings will get to a point where they don't want to fight and go to war anymore and labor will become unnecessary. Well, it sounds like a utopia, doesn't it? Well, it might be, but knowing humans how I know them, we're going to have to replace it with something because we have a lot of energy, especially in the old cranium. So hopefully what I just described there, a society where you don't need labor, well, hopefully we won't just go all full wall-e on it and be pushed around as morbidly obese people and our electronic lazy boys. That would be that would be a bad turnout, but frankly, I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Look at the pushback. For as lazy and fat, I hate to say it, as some parts of our society have gotten, look at the CrossFit rev- rev- revolution. Look at MMA. Look at all these different, the, the Tough Mudder, all these different things. See, people are all, again, There we go, inventing more stuff again. And frankly, I think the keto diet, the no sugar, no grain, that revolution's coming too, and I think people are going to start getting fitter. At least I hope so. All it takes is a little information and a little bit of discipline. And yes, you too can lose weight. I did it. Why can't you? See, there's always new things for us to get on to, like CrossFit, like keto, and yes, like podcasting. So this idea of, oh no, my job, it might go away forever. But you wait, you were just complaining about your job the other day. Just like I'm sure Bob Dylan and Matthew Barry would have been complaining about farming. So you know what? Just always stick with what you're doing if it's working for you. But you know what? If it's not working for you, keep your options open. Get new skills. Stay versatile. Stay mobile, all those good things, because, yeah, in the future, things are going to change rapidly, as they have for the last 200 years, but they're changing more rapidly all the time. I would suggest, again, remaining mobile, remaining flexible, all that good stuff. And I think if that's what you do, you keep smart, you keep listening to me, most importantly, well, you'll be just fine in our new dynamic economy. So, with all that being said... I'm going to get out of here and maybe flip on that fantasy marathon. What the hell? So, 
See you guys later. I'm John Miller. This has been Everybody Trades. Ah!